and morning star and throughout eternity I'm going to praise Him and forevermore I will reign with Him Amen. It's good to see each and every one of you. You're glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I trust everyone had a wonderful week, had a wonderful time with family during this season of Thanksgiving. It certainly was nice just to kind of take the day and just reflect on all the wonderful things that God has done for us. Uh, we're truly a blessed people. Amen. And the thing is, the great thing is, is it don't just stop right there. It just keeps on going and keeps on going and keeps on going. There's uh, quite a few that's not here today, some still traveling, some sick. We got some visitors here. We welcome each and every one of you. Glad to have you with us. We just encourage you to join right in, right in with us, and uh, we're just going to have church this morning. Amen. Amen. I trust that. Uh, let's sing this old song uh, in the key of D. I would not be denied. I was just thinking about this, and uh, you know, anything that we need, He's got it. We might have to go fight a little bit for it. I seen a little thing the other day that said, if I ask God to move a mountain, I got to be prepared to wake up with a shovel in my hand. But I'm not going to be denied. I want to be just like that that uh, woman that had the blood issue. She said, all i got to do is touch his garment. So let's just enter in and whatever you have need of, God's here to minister to that need. When pangs of death seized on my soul unto the Lord I cried till Jesus came and made me Yeah. 
Satan said my Lord was gone and would not hear my prayer. Oh, but praise the Lord, the work is done, and Christ the Lord is here. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond Where the saved of earth shall soon this glory share Where the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore Everybody will be happy over there Oh, everybody will be happy, will be happy Shout and sing God's praises Everybody will be happy over there We will hear nobody praying And no mourning in that land For no burdens there will be for us to bear All the people will be singing Glory, glory to the Lamb Everybody will be happy over there Well, everybody will be happy Will be happy over there We will shout and sing God's praises Everybody will be happy over there Oh, there we'll meet the one who saved us And who kept us by His grace And who brought us to that land so bright and fair We will praise His name forever As we look upon His face Everybody will be happy over there Oh, everybody will be happy Will be happy over there We will shout and sing God's praises Everybody will be happy over there Sing number four again, I love it There we'll meet the one who saved us And who kept us by His grace And who brought us to that land so bright and fair We will praise His name forever As we look upon His face Everybody will be happy over there Well, everybody will be happy We'll be happy 
happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praises. Everybody will be happy over there. Oh, everybody will be happy. We'll be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praises. Everybody will be happy over there. Amen. But I tell you what, I'm not going to wait to get over there to be happy. I'm going to be happy right now. Every day, you know, you, I look around and it, it seems like it's, it's, a, it's just a depressing time. And, and if you don't know what we know, it is. You know, I seen this morning where they had a big major earthquake down in Peru. There's a new variant on the virus. But, you know, this is all, this is all supposed to happen. It's not new to us. All that just tells us is that we're one step closer to getting out of here. And that makes me happy. That makes me happy. And I see that verse on that song says where we'll meet the one who saved us. The one that picked up this old piece of broken, worthless clay. I heard Brother Donnie Reagan say one time that if you combined all the elements that we were made of, it was a dollar and 48 cents value. But the creator of all things picked up that piece of clay, that dollar and 48 cent piece of clay, and thought it priceless so much that he laid down his life for it. Friends, if that don't make you happy, we are such a blessed people. I just want to sing this song. We sing the chorus a lot. I want to try to do the, the, uh, the song here. So just sing it with me. Empty and broken, I came back to Him. A vessel unworthy, so scarred. By sin, but he did not despair. He started over again, and I bless the day he didn't throw the clay away over and over. Fashions the clay a vessel I am today all because Jesus did throw the Potter 
He wants me to stay. Oh, but when I stumble and fall and my vessel breaks, He just picks up the pieces. The clay, a vessel of honor, I am today, and it's all because Jesus didn't throw the clay. Let's sing it one more time. several among us that's still traveling and is away so we want to remember all of those that uh, is not here um, we want to uh, remember sister Rachel Pritchard in prayer she's having some issues with a tooth um, I had a request that said uh, sister Karen and brother David was not feeling well but I see they're here with us thank the Lord for that we'll continue to pray for them though we want to remember brother David Whitlock uh, he had to work today and Sister Carrie Whitlock is uh, dealing with uh, some sinuses. We want to remember Brother Tom Ward. He's at home today, not feeling well. And uh, have a request here to uh, please pray for Danny Daniel. He's uh, a nephew of the, uh, of the Munches. He is in the hospital on oxygen with COVID. Pray for his salvation and healing. I'd also like for you to continue to remember my mother-in-law, Sister Sue Shepherd. She... Had an unexpected trip to the uh, hospital this week, but the Lord worked on her behalf and she was able to make it home in time for dinner with the family Thursday. So the Lord is touching her. We just ask you to continue to remember her in prayer that the Lord will continue to give her strength back. I know there's many needs among us this morning, unspoken prayer requests. Brother Mark, if you'd come at this time and just take these uh, requests before the, before the Lord for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we are very thankful, Lord, for 
every opportunity we have, Lord, to gather together in one place, Lord, and that place is in you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness and your goodness to us. And Lord, just listen to these songs that are sung, Lord. It, it kind of, we rejoice with joy unspeakable, Lord. But at the same time, Lord, it stirs up a, a yearning, Father, something like being homesick. And Lord, we, we know that's normal because you said, Lord, we are pilgrim, pilgrims and strangers on this earth, Father. And we thank you for that, for we know, Lord, that as the song says, Lord, your, your word says the deep call it to the deep, Lord. And there's always a, something just a pulling us, Lord, to that place that you have prepared for us, Lord. And we, we thank you for that. We can feel that way. We cherish that, Lord. It's it, what keeps us in this life, Lord, going, Lord, one step after the other. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for your word that you've given us, Lord. And as he comes today, Lord, from your servant, we pray that you will anoint him. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will move freely, Lord, from heart to heart. And your will will be accomplished, Lord. There's many requests that was made known. Brother Ward, Lord, not feeling well. And several others, Lord, that's traveling and working. We pray, Lord, that you'll grant each request, Lord. We know that you're the healer and you're the the only one that heals. And Lord, when you died in the atonement, Lord, was included, was healing, Father, and we claim that. We pray you'll touch these, Lord, at these requests that was made known. Lord, the requests from Brother Barry, Lord, we've seen where, Lord, this decision, Lord, where he should go to the Africa or not. We pray that you'll, you'll be with him, Lord, to make the right decision, Father. He said in your word, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And we pray that your Spirit would lead him. And we pray most of all that you'll be sensitive to your leading, Father, that uh, he'll make the right decision there. Bless us now as your word comes forth, Lord, and we may rejoice in you, Lord, and what you've done. And for all your goodness and mercies, we thank you, Lord, and we want to say we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just sing this little chorus as you're seated. It is no secret what God can do. Remember that when you're thinking about your prayer request now. What He's done for others. He'll be for you. Sing it one more time. Brother Matt is going to give us a special. It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for us. 
Fast as the ocean, a loving kindness as a flood. For when the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood, who his love will not remember, who can cease to sing. Praise, he will never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide. Through the flood gates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious time. And grace and love like mighty rivers flowed incessant from above. Heaven's peace and perfect justice Kissed a guilty world with love And here is love Fast as the ocean Loving kindness as a flood When the prince of life Our ransom shed for his precious blood and who his love will not remember who can cease to sing his praise he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days for the man 
account of crucifixion fountains open deep and wide and through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide and grace and love like mighty rivers flowed incessant from above heaven's peace and perfect justice it kissed a guilty world in love yes grace and love like mighty flowed incessant from above and heaven's peace and perfect justice Kissed a guilty world with love. Amen. Thank you, Brother Matt. I want to sing the special, but uh, I'm going to ask that you all help me sing this special. As we're kind of entering into the transition of the seasons, I just would like to sing... One of my all-time favorites. I just love this song. Beautiful Star of Bethlehem. We'll try to be flat, I think. Let's, let's try it. Try that E flat. Let's see. Oh, beautiful Star of Bethlehem. Shining afar through shadows dim, giving a light for those who long have gone, guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus beautiful star of Oh, 
one more time now together. Make it your prayer this morning. Shut in with God in a secret place. Lord, to be enclosed, to be in a place, Lord, where you inhabit. Father, we are blessed, Lord, to be temples of the living God that you have raised up, Lord, in this last day. Come, I pray now in the volume of the book and speak to us, Lord, I pray. Make it personal and make it real. Lord, may we lean upon you, Lord, because we realize that as the farther we go, the further this journey takes us, We are more dependent on you. You have not trained us to be independent. You have trained us, Lord, to lean upon the arms of your understanding. We pray now in Jesus' name that you'd minister, Lord, to those who are sick. We pray, Lord, for Sister Rachel Pritchard and, Lord, for the many others that are hurting and need your touch today. Come, I pray, Lord, among us and, Lord, just take the word and reveal it to us. We give you this time. We give you our minds and our hearts, Lord. We're just praying, oh God, for your direction. We're praying, Lord, that you would give wisdom in all of our choices and decisions that need to be made. And Lord, we're asking now that you would just take complete control of this service. We give it to you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Let's sing that one more time. It sounded so good together. Shut in with God in a secret place. There in the Spirit, beholding the Lord. While you're standing this morning, take your Bible. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah chapter 14, and we'll take a reading there uh, this morning with the help of the Lord. We certainly miss Brother Tom this morning. Brother Tom is uh, always here, and so if he's not here, uh, we sure miss him uh, this morning. And just pray that the Lord will give him that touch that he needs. Uh, We also remember all those others that are on the uh, list there, but People who have a problem with a tooth move right up to the top of the list. And uh, so we're thinking of Sister Rachel Pritchard today. But I wanted to mention a little bit about Cohen uh, just before we uh, start. And uh, Cohen, as you know, sustained the injury uh, on, the, on the slide. And uh, as a result of uh, the, the collision that he had there, uh, he broke his jaw and things were dislocated and then there was a a little bone moved out of place 
And uh, he had a very good uh, surgeon who took a look at that, and they did extensive scans and uh, x-rays and so forth. Their conclusion was, and they conferred with people in other hospitals as well, they concluded that he did not need to have surgery. And that was a, that's a great thing because the surgeries are, were pretty extensive. They're, uh, you know, major surgeries on his face. And uh, so they, they're going to confine him to soft foods for, uh, for a couple of weeks so that he doesn't have to chew. And then also um, he would be limited in his activity, which is probably going to be the greatest challenge uh, for Cohen. So no uh, skydiving and mountain climbing and, and deep sea diving and so forth. But other than that, uh, we're just trusting that uh, his body will help uh, bring things back into normal position and heal up the way it should. So if you don't mind praying and remember that over the next couple of weeks. He's not here today because uh, Sister Rachel is not feeling well. But uh, if you could remember that in your uh, praying, that would be uh, really great. Jeremiah, the 14th chapter. I wanted to just take a, a phrase out of here, and this is uh, Jeremiah in the lamentations that he brings and the, and the repenting uh, that's going on. There's a, a drought happening here in, the, in this particular chapter uh, that Jeremiah describes. And, of course, a drought is a sign of judgment uh, where God sends no rain. And so he makes this statement in verse 8. He says, Oh, the hope of Israel the Savior thereof in time of trouble. Why shouldst thou be as a stranger in the land and as a wayfaring man that turneth aside to tarry for a night? Why shouldst thou be as a man astonished, as a mighty man that cannot save? Yet thou, O Lord, art in the midst of us, and we are called by thy name. Leave us not. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. Just very briefly, I wanted to say I have a conversation with Sister Michelle Swafford uh, today. She's been going back and forth to Florida to help her stepmother. Uh, Her father passed away suddenly in Florida, and uh, they're going to be having a memorial on December 11th for for her, uh, sorry, for him. And they're going to be going down at that same time for the memorial and then to bring back her stepmother to live up here in Lenore. And uh, it's been a pretty traumatic time for uh, their whole family and all the changes and so forth that have been going on. And so uh, she just really appreciates the contact communication that people have, have had with her here and uh, the, the support. And uh, they, they just, um, you know, really been going through a, a difficult time. And so I told her we would remember that and we'd mention that to the folks uh, here in church today. We, uh, I, I sent out a little note in the update uh, on Sunday that, uh, or sorry, on uh, Friday that uh, I'm scheduled to go, Lord willing, over to uh, Africa for a, a, an important meeting that, that we have arranged over there. And it's a, not so much a, a church meeting, we're going to have that, but also a meeting where we're discussing uh, all of Africa and how the uh, vision books and so forth is going to work over there. Brother Precious is going to come from Malawi and uh, come up to the uh, meet us there and, and spend a couple of days with us. I had tried originally when I was making arrangements, I had tried to go to Malawi and 
come up to Tanzania and then come home. So I was going to make a, a two-part trip. And, and the way I was going to do that was, and the way you normally do this, is you go to Atlanta, fly to Atlanta and then fly to South Africa. And from South Africa, you take a flight up to Malawi and then Malawi up to Tanzania. Well, that's a lot of flying and that's a lot of uh, time spent, you know, in doing that. I've done it before. Uh, and, and it's just a lot of uh, airspace. And I could not make it work. I, ju- I tried, and I just couldn't make it work. And, and I finally I said, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to go to Tanzania. There's a number of things that, that need to be done there. So I'm just going to go to Tanzania months ago and, and laid that out, purchased a ticket, and, and uh, had it settled. Well, now I realize that to be able to, to fly through South Africa and Malawi wouldn't be allowed. Uh, so no wonder none of that worked. No wonder none of that fell in place there. And so um, I'm very concerned about uh, flying into Africa now simply because of the new variant. Uh, again, as I said, I'm not worried about the disease as much as I am about changing laws. And uh, if, if they change laws, then, you know, they can hold people up on, on the airlines and uh, prevent them from or quarantining them somewhere and uh, you know, if I'm going to be quarantined anywhere, it has to be Ireland. Uh, so, if, you know, if that's not the case, then I just want to come home. And uh, But if I was quarantined in Ireland, my wife would eventually come and join the quarantine anyway. So, you know, we'd be, we'd be together over there. But uh, I, I don't want to have that happen. So I'm just really trying to, over the last couple of days, I've just been really trying to find the mind of the Lord. And uh, if, um, to me, it's just most important to be in the center of God's will. That, that's what's most important. It's not whether we get this done or that done. That's all good. I believe if, if God's will is going to happen, you know, it's going to come to pass. But to be in the center of God's will, especially in such crazy and tricky times that we live in, because it's so hard to predict anything. It's so hard to predict what tomorrow is going to hold. You really don't know. So it's really important for us to have the mind of the Lord and uh, just to feel led. And I will not go unless, you know, things work out and, and you know, I have a, a clear uh, path and I have something really settled in my heart. I will not do that. But if it is uh, clear, then, uh, you know, we'll just trust the Lord for, uh, for the journey. And I'd ask you, if you don't mind, just to pray for that. If I show up here Wednesday night, then you'll know the outcome. If I don't show up here on Wednesday night, then you'll know the outcome. We are glad to have the Pascals with us today. Good to have them. Uh, we are glad to have Reuben and Candace here today. I haven't seen Reuben in a long time, and he's here somewhere. Reuben, <laughs> good to have you with us. Jonathan and Sarah are here, right? Jonathan and Sarah, God bless you. Good to have you. And the Homequests, of course, uh, good to have them. Sister Colleen, good to have you here as well. And uh, we appreciate uh, all of you uh, being with us today. Now, <clears throat> I think it would be fitting that before we started this, start this topic here, we do one last thing, and that is wish Sister Madeline Irish happy birthday today. She was hoping I would have forgot that. I did not. God bless you today. Today is your birthday, right? Anything you want to say? You want to share? No? Okay. <clears throat> Last Sunday, I spoke a little bit about this idea of an inheritance and how that we as believers realize that there are things that God has put in the package of our salvation 
uh, benefits and certain blessings and certain powers even, if you like, certain, uh, you know, ability that God gives to us in the new birth that show us that we really don't need to die in order to be an overcomer. We can be an overcomer here in this life. And we can have victories and we can have successes. We can inherit certain things even while we are here as part of the package uh, that God gives to us. We know that all of this that happens on this earth is nothing in comparison uh, to where we'll go and, and where uh, the benefits that we will enjoy through eternity. I mean, just to live in a body that doesn't ache. That's a great thing. To live in a world that doesn't, uh, doesn't ever have sirens. I mean, I think that'll be wonderful. No divorce, no, uh, no problems, no wars, no struggles. I, I think it'll be a, uh, it's unimaginable really for us to kind of picture that. So, uh, where we're going will far outshine where we are. But while we are here, God's blessed us with certain benefits and certain, uh, certain gifts and talents and, and abilities that are birthed in us that we need to yield to and that we need to realize they are ours because God's given them to us. And God, uh, you know, it's not a, uh, any kind of a fluke or any kind of a mistake that you are living in the last of the last times on the earth. It's not a fluke. God designed it that way. You're here. It's not a fluke that you have come in contact with the message of the hour. That is a design. That is a purpose that God has, that he uh, chose us for the hour. He chose the message for us in this hour. He chose us to leave this world eventually in the way that we're going to leave this world. I believe I'm preaching to people that have, will have their bodies changed. Maybe not everybody, but I believe I'm preaching to people who will have their bodies changed, and that will be our exit out of here. But we live in a world, and I, I'm not sure who said it this morning, but we live in a world that's awash in uh, you know, turmoil and depression, and there's all kinds of uh, there's all kinds of disappointments. There are people who wallow uh, in 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 a, you know criticisms of the world around them. Uh, they they wallow in criticisms of the church and of people, and uh, you know they're never happy because they just live with a, a kind of a filter of the age that looks at everything in in a kind of a negative way. And you can sit there and do that, but I will tell you that's not how God designed for us to live. I mean, there are days when we all feel like that, but that's not the way that God intended us to live. How many can say amen? God intended us to live in victory, and he intended us to live in peace. We don't always have bubbly, happy feelings, but that doesn't mean that we are defeated people. We are victorious people. And you can sit there and criticize everybody and everything around you, and you're certainly welcome to do that, but it won't get you very far. Uh, it, won't get, it won't influence your family in a very positive direction. So we had to be careful that we don't let the influences and the atmosphere of the age overwhelm us to the point where, uh, you know, we find, uh, you know, no hope and no, uh, no, no reason to get out of bed in the morning. I, I, to me, I, I get up every morning these days. I get up every day and I say, I thank God it's not summer. I thank God it's fall. I just love the fall. I don't know about you, but I, I just, I, every day I get up in the fall. I love the fall. I love to go outside and stand in the, in the fall weather. It's just, to me, it's really great. The other three seasons, you know, they're just, they're just uh, a way to get to the fall. Let me, let me introduce what I want to talk to you about this morning. And this is, is going to tie kind of indirectly with what we talked about last Sunday. We talked about this idea of inheritance, but I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards something here, and I'll, I'll explain it. I want to title this The Expectation of Righteous Believers. What should we as righteous believers 
expect in our time. And so this wound up as being a study. And they say, they say in the academic circles of the world, they say that if you have a title and you have a, a colon in that title and in another line, this is really something smart. Now, I don't know who they is that said that, but I've often heard that, that if you just have a title, that's okay. But if you have a title with a colon and something else in there, it really lends credibility to this whole thing. All right? So believe me, this is significant. And I will tell you that this is a study on the expectation of, of righteous believers. It's a study of faith, hope, and expectation. All right, so let's, let's look here. The, the Bible describes the word expectation uh, as something uh, very close to the word hope. There's not a great deal of difference here in these words. When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish. And the hope of unjust men perisheth. When a wicked man dies... His expectation, which is based on things in this life, when he dies, all of his hopes and dreams also die. There's, there's nobody can wrestle against death and win unless you're Jesus Christ. Right? So nobody can wrestle against the, the outcome of life. And so when a wicked man dies, his expectation, I think it was Rockefeller one time, I think it was one of the Rockefellers who was very wealthy, and he had uh, a small group of men who worked around him. And 13 of them were millionaires. They were, he was so successful that they, they uh, kind of lived in the shadow of his success. And 13 of them became millionaires themselves back in the day when a million dollars was, was something significant, more significant than today. And they asked him, they said, when are you going to stop? Like you're an old man. When are you going to quit? And he said, just a little more. Just a little more. That was his answer. But you know, even when the wealthiest among us die... Their, their expectation also perishes. I don't want to have, I don't want to have uh, everything in my life built on this life. To me, I want to sow seeds and make investments in that world so that when I go there, I'll meet the rewards of those investments. The righteous is delivered out of trouble and the wicked cometh in his stead. Here's another version of that same scripture. When a wicked man dies, his hope perishes and all he expected from his power comes to nothing. I think that's a real folly to believe that, uh, you know, somehow or another we're going to take that with us. We're going to take our successes and our riches with us. We are not. There will be no U-Hauls in heaven. So I, I, I showed you this image before that I'm going to show you now. And it deals directly with this whole idea of expectation and reality. Okay? Are you ready? You're not ready. Sometimes we can have an expectation about something, and an expectation is really, uh, you know, a passion and belief that things are going to be the way, they're, uh, the way we want them to be. That's what an expectation is. Uh, it, it is believing that, that something's going to happen uh, or something should happen in a certain way. Now, I remember I told you years ago that uh, when, you know, my family has an English connection, obviously being a part of England for so many years... And when, uh, all the time, uh, when Christmas came, we had cans of, tins of cookies. And these tins of cookies were neatly wrapped. I mean, they were really good. Most of them came from England. And when you opened them up, you had a smell of all of these different types of cookies that were there. Uh, shortbreads and pecan dandies. And I mean, it was just really a special thing to open up one of those cans. Metal cans of cookies. We were a, 
a family who devoured many, many cans of cookies over our years. And I remember often going into, as a young boy, going into my mother's closet because my mother never figured out. We knew she hid all of the good stuff in her closet. And we'd go in there and hunt around just because every now and then she'd have something hidden in there. And we went in there, and one time I remember opening up, the. I found a can of cookies. I saw a can of cookies, and I thought, oh, there has to be a God somewhere. This is when we were unconverted, all right? And I, I realized, wow, this, this is a gift from heaven. And I, I remember taking the can of cookies. This is like March or April when, you know, all of the festivities were long gone. And I remember taking the can of cookies out and, you know, just, just getting ready to enjoy this all by myself. The whole can all by myself because I knew better than to share it or open it in front of my brothers. And so when I opened up the can, it was full of buttons and needles and thread. Now, <clears throat> you can laugh all you want, but I will tell you something. This was a, a tragedy that I experienced many, many times in my life because my, uh, our, in our family, this was commonly done. I mean, the adults in the house, they often would uh, take the can of cookies just for the can, dump out the cookies and keep the can because it was such a handy way to keep all the buttons and the, and the needles and threads and everything else. I hated this. Now, the last time I told you about this was about four years ago. All kinds of people sent me pictures of biscuit cans full of needles and thread and buttons and so forth. Don't send any more. I don't want any more. My expectation was dashed back then. You're not helping. I know it exists. I know other people. You can find us all over the Internet, okay? So just back off. Don't send me any of those at all, all right? But it illustrates the, the, the meaning of the word expectation. It's defined as, as believing that something should be a certain way. When I open this can, it should be cookies in there. Now, you can apply this in lots of different ways, right? My wife said the other day, one of, her, one of the things on her bucket list was to go see the Great Wall of China. I was thinking, you know, in reality, uh, you may see where all the people are standing on the Great Wall. but Or, you know, even in our time, there's all kinds of expectations and realities, right, that I thought were pretty funny. But I, you get the point, right? A picture's worth about 10,000 words here. You get the point that, Many times we have expectations of things to happen that we believe it should be this way. Uh, there are all kinds of examples that you could use of, of this right here. But here's, here's one that is a little bit different. When it comes to serving God, here's the way we should look at it. That the expectation and the reality are the same. He doesn't promise you one thing and give you something else. It, it, Jesus said, if you ask your father for a bread, bread, will he give you a stone? So the expectation and the reality can match. And that's the only place that the expectation and the reality will match. All right, so Brother Barry, uh, great. What does this mean? Now, what, I want you to watch because I'm defining my title here. Remember, it has, a, it has a colon in it. Now, remember, Brother Branham says in Awakening, it won't go to everybody. It won't go to everybody. The revelation, the message won't go to everybody. When Jesus was on earth, not over one-third of the Jewish race ever knew he was on earth. 
And you know that he came to the elected and they received it. That's right. That's where the spirit goes tonight to the elected. You got to think about this, that when Jesus was actually here on the earth in Israel, and Israel is not a big place, but when Israel, uh, when Jesus showed up in Israel, not even one third of the people actually knew that he was there. Now of that one third, you can imagine how small the percentage of people, the numbers were, of how many people actually knew who Jesus was when they saw him. Because there's some people thought he was a devil. And there was some people thought he was a prophet, right? And, 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 and the disciples verified that. They said that Jesus, you know, uh, you know, when he asked them, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're one of the prophets, and some say you're this or that. So even the people, the minority of the people in the minority, never really understood who Jesus was. That's kind of a shame, isn't it? Because they had 4,000 years of waiting for him. They had 4,000 years and all kinds of uh, prophets who wrote about him and described him. And Jeremiah laments in his, uh, in the passage we read there, he says, Why should you come on the earth, O hope of Israel, the savior thereof in time of trouble? Why should you be as a stranger in the land? Why in the world would he come, the savior of all mankind? Why would he come and be a stranger in his own land? The only way that could happen is that the people could look right at him and not have a clue really who he was. You know why? Because their expectation was wrong. Now, let's look at this now. Let's just dig in a little bit, all right? God have mercy, Brother Branham says, on this sinful generation of people. And if that be God's word, then every word of it is true. Live by it, die by it, and the Holy Spirit faith punctuates every promise with an amen. So we're talking about expectation, hope, and faith. And there are three different things. Uh, hope is, is a, a very important, or sorry, faith is a very, the most important part of this. And God decided in the last day that he would give us rapturing faith through this message. Isn't that right? God would give us rapturing faith through this message. He did not promise to give us rapturing hope. He promised to give us rapturing faith. And he, he, Brother Branham goes on to say, he said, now that's the reason that people miss it. Is because they want to get it the way they want it. And God gives it the way he wants to give it. We got one set way. But God does it his way. (laughs) Therein is the whole argument here this morning. That people miss it because they want to get it the way they want it. In other words, he has to come according to my expectation. I think that that the end of the world is going to be like this. I think Jesus is going to look like this when he comes. But we find out that God gives it the way that he wants to give it. And the way that he wants to give it is according to scripture, right? You'll find it already documented in the Bible. It's not a mystery. It's not, a, uh, it's not something new. Now, I'm not bringing you anything new in relation to that this morning. It's already there. God's already stated it. But we have a set way. A lot of people, are their minds are like concrete. They're thoroughly mixed up and permanently set. And it's very, very difficult to move certain, certain people. And obviously, Brother Branham, I mean, God sent Brother Branham, God sent great ministers prior to Brother Branham. And God has sent uh, great ministers after Brother Branham. And it has not pulled any denominations out of the denominational system. It has not pulled uh, very many people out of the denominational system at, at all, really, in comparison to the numbers. Now, when you run the numbers, 
There are not a lot of people that have been pulled out of those denominations. They're still there. There's still, uh, you know, there's even more denominations than when Brother Branham was on the earth. He said there was about 900 and something. He said there's about 33,000 of them now uh, when you count all, all around the world. We have a set way. But God does it his way. What a shame to be living with and dying with the wrong expectation. What a shame to be living with and dying with the wrong information. God's taken care of his part. He's given us the right information. How many would agree? The coming of the, the second coming of the Lord is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's described in scripture. Uh, we, we understand there was to be a forerunner, right? Like John the Baptist. How many would agree? Come on. Now, this is, a, this is pretty elementary. I mean, nobody should be stumped. We, we have been promised a, a forerunner, just like John the Baptist has. John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, so will your message and ministry forerun the second coming of Christ. We find where he belongs in the Bible, right? There was to be a messenger according to Malachi 4, another one, you know, in the book of Matthew, another one in the book of Revelation there. He will, you know, conclude the mystery of God as it has been declared to his prophets. Amos 3 and 3, surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. All of those things are are prophesied to happen in the last day. And then Brother Branham comes along in his ministry and describes exactly the order of events that are going to take place. There's going to be a shout and a voice and a trumpet. And then he defines all three of those and lets us know, hey, it's not a mystery, nothing new. I'm not going to add anything to that. I think the explanation is great. So it's not God's fault, but somehow or another, we got a problem here. Houston, we have a problem because people are setting their way. And you know what? They've got expectations about God. And when he comes, a lot of people think that there's going to be three of them show up. Right? You're in a minority. You think that, that uh, you know, there isn't going to be three show up. But let's go on a little bit further. World's falling apart. Brother Bram said the Romans in that day were looking for a Messiah politician in the days of jesus they were the romans were they wanted somebody to come down from jupiter or come down with a chariot of fire and a sun behind his head they wanted to beat down the greeks and master the whole world well the greeks wanted that kind of a messiah to come and tell them exactly what kind of strategy that they could use to beat the romans down so in other words you, you get a sense now the way brother ram's describing this that people's expectation were based on the need at the moment this is what we need right now Look at what he says. The Romans in that day were looking for a Messiah, a politician. Uh, Let me tell you, if you did a survey today in our country, there'd be a lot of people looking for some super politician, somebody better than the lot we've got now. Should I not have said that? I mean, a lot of people are saying, hey, why don't we just, why don't we just, you know, you know, and bring in some, Somebody's got some sense. Somebody can get something done. A lot of people, that's their heart's cry. And you know, the, the, the higher inflation goes and the more the economy tends to wobble. You haven't seen anything yet when it comes to a wobbling economy. But, you know, as it, as it, we've had a few shimmer, shimmers, but we've never really seen it, uh, you know, do what it's going to do. And people are looking for a solution based on the problems we face today. And so their expectations are based on the need of the moment. I will tell you that God doesn't spring into action and change his plan because of the catastrophe we face today. That wasn't here yesterday. Did you hear what I just said? God doesn't spring into action and change his plan because something changed in the world. 
God's already got a set, folks. Do you believe that God knows the end from the beginning? He knows the past and the future. He's got it all figured out. And you know what? I believe that God knows, I believe that God knows what's best right now for us. And if God could have given us something better, we'd have it. But I believe that he gives us what we have need of. And I will tell you this, that a lot of times there are, there are lots of people that, uh, you know, they might have the feeling that somehow or another delay is disregard. That God disregards our prayer. God disregards our dilemma. God disregards our frustration about this world uh, because there's a delay in things happening. As I said many times before, you may feel like you're in the slowest non-event of all time because you wonder how long is this going to go on. It seems like nothing's happening. In the delay is an opportunity for character to be formed in every believer. Come on. When Abraham waited for the change of his body and the promised son, the Bible says that he grew in faith. Even though his body was failing, his faith was growing. Can you relate to that? And so in the delay, it's not disregard. It's not that God is disregarding or not hearing your prayer or not wanting you to pray or not wanting you to reach out to him or seek him. If you don't know him, you should seek him today with all your heart. If you've never been saved, you ought to be saved because... There is going to come a time when you won't be able to be saved. Salvation doesn't continue eternally. The saved continue eternally. But salvation does not continue eternally. Salvation's for a time. Whether we like it or not, salvation's for a time. And so I believe while there's still mercy, and I do believe that there is mercy today still available, I believe you should reach out and avail of that. I believe that you should step into the waters. I believe that you should draw from the wells of salvation. I believe that you should pray for your loved ones, that they would uh, attend to uh, the things of God and not to put it off to another day. Because there will come a day when everything will be different. But God does not change his plan because things in the world change. He's already got it figured out. But this is the way people think, and this is what their expectations are based upon, that we will have some sort of a new order if we get the Messiah the way we want him. And the Jews were looking for a general. Some man was coming with a rod of iron in his hand, a lion of the tribe of Judah, who was going to rule all nations and run Rome out into the river and drown them, and Israel was going to take over. Why wouldn't you think that? If you were under the oppression of a Roman army, as tough as what the Romans were, why wouldn't you think that? Surely you would think that. That's a logical way to think. But Brother Branham says when he came exactly the way the Scripture said he would come, But they were looking for him in a different way. They were trained to look for him in a different way. They were seeking him on a different horizon. They were looking in another direction to find him. And he came the way the scripture said he would do. All right, you ready? Last paragraph. I wonder if it wouldn't be the same thing today if he come, if we wouldn't think that. We have our own ideas about what he ought to be. I think it's great when Brother Branham says, what about today? And he connects that lesson back there, that illustration back there, to our time. So what I wanted to do was to talk a little bit about this whole subject of the expectation of the righteous and what we should rightly be expecting because, my goodness, faith comes by hearing, doesn't it? And hearing by the word of God. And so therefore, your, in order for your faith to be right, your hearing's got to be right. Amen. And I will tell you that if your hearing is right, your expectation is also right. 
we want to have the right expectation. We don't want to have the wrong idea uh, about what's coming. So let's explore these words a little bit here. Hope. Uh, it means an expectation of evil or an expect of fear or an expectation of good. One or the other. Hope. Hope is contagious. Hopelessness is also contagious. And if somebody has hope, they're expecting something to happen. I'm going to give you some examples here in a moment here, so we'll, we'll nail this down. But in the Christian sense, it is a joyful and confident, confident expectation of eternal salvation. That's what a believer hopes for. There's nothing wrong with hope. we just got to make sure that we realize hope is not faith. But there's nothing wrong with hope. The Bible tells us to hope. So there's nothing wrong with it at all. For the believer, hope means it, it, an attitude. It, it is described as an attitude based on scriptural truth. So it's okay to have the right kind of hope because you're basing it on the right kind of scripture uh, promise that's given for your day. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody okay? Because the opposite of hope, if you have no hope, you're hopeless. And God doesn't want you to be hopeless. I mean, we have a lot to look forward to. I mean, when it comes to expectation, hey... We still have a few more days of fall left, right? I mean, we can wake up every day and be thankful that we live in the fall. All right, so let's look at a negative example here, and then we'll look at some positives. Everybody okay? Still all right? When they therefore came together, they asked him, said, Lord, this is the resurrected Jesus now. This has happened. This has happened. This has happened. You've blown us out of the water with everything that has happened. But one of the things we expect is that when the Messiah comes, Lord, wilt thou again, at this time, restore again the kingdom to Israel? That was their expectation. That was their thought. Surely this is what he's going to do. And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but, you know, go down, down on the rest of the verse there. In other words, this is not the case at all. This is not where we're going. This is not that time at all. One day the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of God. Right? And, and the Lord will reign over it all. But that's not this time at all. But that was their expectation. It doesn't, even though they're, they're, they're incorrect, and, and I, I want to say this, they're not being evil here. They're not, they're not asking an evil question. And neither are they trying to trick Jesus at all. They're just trying to figure out, is what's happening according to our expectation? No, it's not. Very clearly, no, it's not. So you need to align your expectation now with what the scripture says. And this is what the Bible says would come next. So in a situation like this, what you've got to learn to do is let go of your expectation and develop a new one. You've got to look at it a little bit differently because that's, that's what Jesus actually told them in the flesh. That's pretty direct, right? Pretty helpful when Jesus tells you directly. Let's look at a positive side of things. In Luke chapter 2, these are all very familiar to you here, very simple. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So here's a man with an expectation. He's got an anticipation for what's coming. And he's a man who has an anointing of the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he's seen the Lord's Christ. He's one of the people that Brother Branham says, you can count him on one hand, that knew who Jesus was that was on the earth at that time. 
And Simeon has got this right expectation or this right hope, and he's got a right faith. It's all kind of lined up. Why? Not because he sat there and figured it out, but because the Holy Ghost has revealed something unto him. The Holy Ghost has shown him something that is exactly in line with the prophecies for their day and the redemption of Israel. So you've got it all kind of lined out, and he knows he's not going to die. In other words, it's going to happen in my lifetime. So every day I get up and I expect that I'm going to see fulfilled what God showed me here. And then he says, at the, as you read down through the passage, Lord, now let us thou, uh, thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all, the, all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. That is Old Testament scripture. And so we read this in the New Testament, but he had it in the Old Testament. And here it is in Isaiah 49. Let's just pick it up in verse 6. And he said, it, it, it is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved of Israel. A savior, in other words. Someone is going to come and restore Israel and bring the uh, tribes back to their place. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. And here, embedded in the Old Testament among the Jewish people is a promise that this light will also shine. It will arise among the Gentiles. And they will also be able to share in this whole plan of redemption. How many would agree? Come on, folks. You're here because God made a way for the Gentiles. And this is embedded right in Old Testament scriptures here. But God, uh, God had prophesied this. And this is what Simeon latches onto. So in other words, the Holy Spirit comes and anoints him and gives him a revelation of this passage and then adds to that and says, and you're going to be around when this comes to pass. You're going to be alive on the earth when this comes to pass. Let me tell you, that's a man who wakes up every day believing something's going to happen in his life, in his lifetime, in his sight. Something's going to happen. And he's, got, uh, he, he's going to church with expectation. He's going to the synagogue with expectation. I'm so glad I can say that I'm one of them. And this is not because of his works. He's an old man. Uh, Brother Manum said that historians believe he's around 86 years old when he saw Joseph and Mary come into the temple that day. So he's not a young guy. He, doesn't, he knows he doesn't have a lot of years left. But he's filled with, with an expectation because this is what God showed him. And what God showed him is scriptural. And God's added to him that you're going to see it in your lifetime. It's not going to be a prophecy for another day, but you're actually going to see it. And you'll actually put your hands on this one, uh, the Messiah. And he will do exactly what has been prophesied. And that is give light to the Gentiles and salvation may go to the end of the earth. Hey, we're at the end of the earth. We're at the end of the, We're on the outer boundary of salvation, folks. You're the fulfillment of what's being said right here yourselves. But Simeon was on the other end of that. He was at the beginning of that when he held Jesus as an infant and dedicated him to God. And now we are at the far end of that. All, I'm, all I want to do this morning is introduce to you the idea that your expectation also has to be right, just like Simeon's expectation had to be right. And it was only right, not because he figured it out or not because he really wanted to have cookies in the tin. You may really want to have cookies in your tin. But there may not be cookies in the tin because you don't know what's going on. You may really expect a certain thing to happen, but it may not happen that way. I really expected I was going to be married by 16. (laughs) 
That was my expectation. That was my hope. That was, that was, uh, listen, I, I lived and breathed that. I had, I subscribed to Bride Magazine since I was 12. I, you know, that's, that was my, that was my whole thrust. That was why I lived was to do that. And you know what? It may not come to pass. I had to move to Arkansas to do that. Luke chapter 2 now goes on and it says, There was one Anna, a prophetess of the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asser. And she was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spoke of him, spoke of him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. This is that which God prophesied out of Isaiah. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee and to their own city, Nazareth. Here's Anna, Simeon. Anna's a blind person who is not able to physically see, but she's got spiritual sight, spiritual insight that is able to pick up what God's doing in her time. Let me tell you, their, ex- their expectation is correct, their hope is correct, their faith is correct, everything's lined up. May God give us that same, I said may God give us that same anointing that lines up our expectation and lines it up with our whole ru- hope so that that's correct and then lines up, uh, you know, our faith so that we can have a perfect faith that will say, just like Abraham did, doesn't matter how old I get. Doesn't matter how old I get. <clears throat> Acts chapter 12, same thing now. And Peter was come to himself and he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel. This is Peter in prison. You remember when the angel smites him on the side and says, Stand up, and and the chains drop off. Remember that? And he stands in front of the door and the door opens there. And when Peter comes to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me out of the hand of Pharaoh, Herod, and all the, uh, the expectation of the people of the Jews. Their expectation... Imagine how terribly wrong their expectation was because their solution to the problem was to destroy the followers of Jesus. If we successfully destroyed Jesus, then we can destroy all of his followers. And you know what? The world would be a better place if it was free of all these people that mention the name of Jesus. And their expectation was that this is the way that we're going to solve this problem. What a horrible and terrible expectation. It's just no different than Hitler saying, I believe, I expect that the world would be a better place if we destroy all the Jews and gypsies and everybody else that's not like us. That spirit is still around. It's a terrible thing uh, when you hear about that spirit that would be in somebody, and whether it's overt or whether it's subtle, that someone would try to put down or destroy somebody else or divide because they're not like us, because we have a disagreement. That is a terrible thing. And you'll, uh, sometimes you'll hear stories of people in school, you know, kids in school. They like to isolate somebody. They like to set somebody else apart. And they, they actually bond closer together when they have somebody to hate. That is really a spirit that comes from the pit of hell. And I will tell you, it is a horrible thing to see that among people in the same church. When people say, we're going we're gonna to be over here because they're over there. And we're not going to be like Christ and go to the center, go to the middle and ask forgiveness and say, what can we do to fill this gap? What can we do to bind up this breach? Among us, that situation should never exist. Because we are the people who are supposedly filled with the Spirit of Christ. Then as I mentioned to you before, the whole spirit of 
of reuniting, the whole spirit of reconciling things together. That should be something that's automatic. It should be something that's first nature with us. If there's something out of whack, we should reconcile it. And we should do it right away. It's the wrong spirit when people say, well, you know, they got to go first. Well, no, no, they got to go first. And I'm going to stay here until someone else does something. And, and you know what? That happens a lot, but it just doesn't happen in the Bible. Jesus didn't teach us that. I don't know where that came from. But let's look here. There's a difference between hope and expectation. Let's, let's look at it briefly. A rigid cling to unreal belief is what expectation is. It, it can be something that's true. It can be right, like Simeon had. But also it can be a, a clinging to something that's unreal or unrealistic. Expectation is demanding exactly what we want to happen, regardless of what is actually happening. Expectation is typically fixed and frozen. It is inflexible, inflexible and rigid. It is unable to give or bend or change. There are some people that <clears throat> I've watched them hang on to a story that's false or hang on to a story that has details in it that's false. And even after the corrected and the right details are given, they'll still hang on to the, to the story. Because, you know, for some people, why do you want to let truth get in the way of a good story? My goodness. Sadly, expectations are limited to our previous experiences. And the worst part of expectations is what happens when we hold on to them blindly. We're unable to give them up. We're unable to let go. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, you, you, we can use lots of examples here. So, you know, Brother Branham was in the meeting. You remember when uh, he was in the Chicago and had that minister's meeting, a great big hotel ballroom? You remember that setting? And uh, the Holy, Brother Branham was looking out the window, and the Holy Spirit showed him and said, the meeting's not going to be here. It's going to be in this hotel. So he goes there, and he talks about water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's start there. And he starts, there's 200 ministers in the room. Brother Branham holds his Bible open like this, and he says, I'll, I want any minister who can tell me anything different. Anyone baptized any other way in the Bible, you know, to come on up here. No one, no one moved. That's when Billy Paul said later on after that, he said that his father told him, he said if anybody had stood up to counter Brother Branham at that time, argue with him, he said the angel was standing there to smite him dead right on the spot. That's what, he, that's what Brother Billy Paul said, Brother Branham told him about that meeting. And here's Brother Branham standing there and he said every one of them, he said they would sit there not in agreement about that uh, about that scripture, about what Brother Branham was saying. They're nodding in agreement. And then he said, under the table, they're shaking hands together. Because there ain't no way. They're going to hold on to things blindly. They're going to hold on to things no matter what, even when they're wrong and proven right. I think, listen folks, I think that's the essence of what Laodicea means. To be blind and not know it. To be blind and not care. To be blind and be indifferent to truth even when it comes. <clears throat> when Jesus came to Israel, here he was fulfilling everything the Bible said about him. And he even said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they to testify of me. 
And they looked at it. They looked at the scriptures. They probably went home and looked at the scriptures and realized, if I agree with him, if I side with him, if I go up and say, you know what, Jesus, you were right. They would have lost lots in this world. They would have been criticized in this world. And they wouldn't go that far. They wouldn't go that distance. So, sadly, their expectations were limited to previous experiences. We saw what happened to other ministers when they disagreed. We saw what happened to other ministers when they uh, discovered truth. Like, you know, you say Martin Luther. uh, The Catholic Church couldn't tolerate Luther after he discovered the truth of justification. That real justification was not based on works and penance and how many times you go to Mass and how many times you say the Stations of the Cross. It was rather bent on, uh, justification was entirely built on the blood of Jesus Christ and how he justifies somebody and they stand as though they never sinned in the first place. Martin Luther said, by faith we are justified. By faith we are justified in accepting what Jesus Christ did. And you know what? The Catholic Church in their, in their, expectation in their understanding of what was uh, what was salvation as they defined it they could not bend at all there are some people who believe that you know uh, men are all useless men are all useless some women believe that men are all useless they're necessary but they're basically useless they're kind of like broken pencils they're pointless and as a result of that as a result of saying that It's generally because of their past experience. They probably grew up with a very dysfunctional family and and grew up with a father who was a failure or a father who was abusive or something else. And so they have have an expectation that, you know what, eventually all men are going to be this way. All men are going to turn out this way. All men will eventually turn on you. I'm just using that as an example. But, But if expectations are based on previous experience then you know what? We can, be, we can be terribly wrong and miss out on things. We can miss out on things that are amiss because our thinking is amiss. Right? So God does not want us to dwell there. God does not want us to stay there. He wants us to, to, to change the expectation to something that's right. And while expectation is the assumption that something's actually going to happen, false or not, hope is a desire for something to happen. Hope is flexible. It responds to all situations instead of battling against the ones that appear to be opposite. I think it's a terrible thing to watch people spend their energy battling against people who don't agree with them. Even when those people are right. Hope admits reality, always acknowledging what is. Hope admits reality and always acknowledges what is. Hope desires for good for another, but gives room to change over time. We can hope for more than what we know. We can hope for something better. Hope admits uncertainty. It does not die when, it go, when, uh, when expectations go unmet. Hope, in other words, <clears throat> we can hope for something. If it doesn't come to pass, you know what? We can hope again. And, and hope is not inflexible. Hope uh, is, is rather adaptable. And so it keeps us moving forward. Hope helps us to, uh, to look on, to look forward to the things that are happening. Now, let me give you another example here. I'm, I'm moving towards something here. We'll just see how far we can go. Acts chapter 28. Paul is at the end of his days. <clears throat> He's defending himself in front of, uh, in, in, you know, in front of uh, Festus and Felix. And he says, who, when they had examined me, they have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. 
He's been through all of these tribunals now, and he's among the believers in the house, and he's sharing with them. They've examined me. There's no cause of death in me. But for this cause, therefore, I have called for you to, to see you and to speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I'm bound with this chain. Here I am actually in prison because I'm actually preaching the right person and the right doctrine and the right understanding of what all the Old Testament meant and preaching that Jesus was indeed that Messiah. And he says, guess, guess where that's got me? He says, I preach the hope of Israel, but I'm bound with this chain. The hope, the right hope, and the right expectation, and the right, right faith does not always lead us down the fairest pathway. The right expectation is right, and it is good to have. It is right to hope in the right things. And it is certainly good to have the right kind of faith. And God's taken a lot of pain, a lot of, a lot of uh, in, in, in the sense he's invested a lot in us having this faith. I think it's, a, it's an amazing thing how God has, over the, over the last 2,000 years, inspired the writing of Scripture, preserved it, had men who were reformers with it, and in the end have a prophet that ties together all the loose ends and reveals mysteries that were hidden in it. And it's still as sound and secure as when God thought of it. Not aught of it has been diminished or fallen to the ground. How many would agree? The word has not fallen to the ground. The word has not failed. The word has not, uh, you know, been, uh, been trampled upon. And none of it has been lost. Every bit of it is still intact. Every bit of it is still true. Every bit of it is still right. Every bit of it is still accessible to you and I. And God did that. That's not our doing. That's God did that. And our hope rests in that revelation that, and, and, the, and the rapturing faith that lays in that. And God preserved all of that for the end so that out of it may come things that would, would actually, in time, change our bodies and get us out of here and into another dimension. God put that in there. God preserved it and allowed it to be able to come out in the last day. And that's what we're enjoying. That's what we're enjoying. That's what we're believing, right? That's what our expectation is. That one day, that one day, all of this will come to pass exactly as God has said. And so our, our, our thoughts have to be constantly, uh, you know, shaken, if you like. Our, our thoughts have to, we have to be reminded continually that it's not going to happen the way that, uh, you know, the world may dictate. It's not going to happen, uh, you know, in a world that's uh, full of uh, peace and tranquility. But it's going to happen exactly the way that God said. It's going to come to pass in the midst of turmoil and in the midst of trouble, just like David prophesied in Psalm 27. In the time of trouble, he will hide me in this pavilion. And so, uh, you know, it's a funny thing. When, when trouble comes, whether it's in the form of a virus or a, an economy or a government or whatever else, when troubles come or when troubles come here and we become so bothered or disappointed or frustrated or angry and we become like that in the age we're living in because all around us there are spirits that are trying to rob you of your joy. They're trying to rob you of your hope. They exist only to drag you down. They exist only to isolate you and to cause you to feel like you got to draw back in order to have any sanity or any sense. And if you're not careful, out of your own confession, you can poison the minds of other people around you. 
But that's what the devil's tactic is all about, to try to drag you down and try to pull you away, to try to discourage you and to try to take away your hope. And Paul says, hey, even though, even though I stood for the hope of Israel, and even though I'm still in chains here, I wanted to see you and I wanted to share this with you. Because you know what? It's still right. Uh, you know, I, I wanted you to come to the fellowship. I wanted to see you. I wanted to shake hands with you. I wanted to let you know, press on. I want to let you know, just, just do your part. It might be insignificant, but do your part and carry on. You may never even see the outcome of your part. You may never even see the consequences of your part or your decision. Like, you know, for us, you know, I show you all those pictures, and I think I've numbed you with all these pictures of believers overseas receiving Bibles for the first time. I don't know whether I have because you haven't said that because you're nice people. But I wonder, have I numbed you into, you know, a complacency about that? I don't know about you, but I get really excited, and that's why I like to share it. But I think it's a wonderful thing for people, you know, in a, in a bush country, live in a straw hut. Everything around them is made of straw or banana leaves. I mean, I, I, and I think, it's, I think it's fantastic. I think it's fascinating that somebody would come, uh, you know, they would come to church through the jungle. And you have to see that. Brother Aaron would be able to tell you, you know, you go into a certain area, and it looks like, you know, where, where do people live? You know, it's just kind of desert or jungle. And, and uh, you know, you, you look at your clock and you re- realize, okay, it's church time. All of a sudden, out of the bush they come. You know, out of, one up the road, one out of the bush, one comes out of here. And all of a sudden, you have a church full of people. And they come to church, have nothing in their hand. And they, 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 they come to service expecting it to be a normal service. And somebody gives them a Bible. Wow. Somebody gives them a book in their own language. And to be able to have a sermon in their own language, oh boy, that's, that's pretty slick. I, I, I don't know about you, but maybe I've numbed you into, uh, you know, a neutrality about it. But I, I'm, and if I have, I'm sorry. I, I, that was not my intent. My intent was to share the joy, share their joy, and share your part in it. But you may not even realize that the dollar you put in, you won this, people, the, the dollar you put into the plate... That you may think, well, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't go very far. It doesn't really count very much. Let me tell you a little story. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. This is true. In World War II, there was a B-17 that had a famous run across Russia. And it flew low. It was under a massive amount of fire. And uh, the plane, when it landed, eventually landed. It never went down. Uh, even though the, the, the people in the underbelly of the plane, the guys who sat in those bubbles that shot the machine guns, remember those guys? Phew, talk about heroes. And they saw the bullets enter into the uh, gas tanks of the plane and the wings and stuff. And they saw the fuel, the diesel fuel, the jet fuel spray out in the back. And they saw that, but it never exploded. And they they were waiting for the thing to explode all the time. They could not figure this out. When the plane landed, they began to dig out all these bullets that were in the plane, all these uh, shells that were embedded in the side of the plane. The Flying Fortress, you know, it's a big uh, big plane. and So it had lots of flak. It had lots of uh, spent bullets that were in there. And they were amazed because the plane landed. Everybody was safe. The mission was successful. They bombed what they needed to bomb. And here they are gliding to a halt on the, on the end of the runway. They look at this plane. They say, we don't understand how you got out. We don't understand how you landed it. And they said, we don't understand. There's 11 holes in the gas tank. In gas tanks on this plane, there's 11 holes. There's hardly any fuel left because it's all sprayed out. And here are the rounds. And all of them are, are empty. They're, they're, they're spent shells. And all of them are right here. We have all 11. 
They took all 11, they examined it because they couldn't figure out, if they were in the gas tank, why didn't they explode and ignite the fuel? They couldn't figure that out. And so they looked, they examined those shells very carefully, and inside one of them they pulled out, they saw inside there, they pulled out a little piece of paper. And in that, in that and this is a true story, Jeff, this is a true story, believe me, you believe me, right? And they pulled out that little piece of paper, and it simply said, in the Czech language, it said, this is all we can do, but at least it's something. And what happened was, when they tracked it back, there was a fellow who was a part of the Czech underground who was working in a munitions plant for the Germans. And he had taken, on that particular day, he had taken 11 20-millimeter rounds, took the explosives out, and wrapped up this little note and put it inside of one of them, let it go in the munitions and, you know, in the, in the train car and all the munitions are delivered all over Germany and all over the Poland and everywhere else. Those 11 bullets were all fired at that B-17. They all wound up inside the gas tank with a note. I said all of that to say this. That guy probably never knew what contribution he'd made. You know, he may have said, well, I don't expect this is going to do very much. But it did. Because any one of those 20-millimeter rounds would have exploded the gas tanks on that plane. You have to understand that God has, has chosen us. And, and this is, in a sense, it's kind of an elementary thing. But you have to understand that God has chosen us. You may see how it all fits together. You may not see how it all, uh, you know, relates to God's purpose. But I will tell you that God has you here for a particular reason. And God knows exactly why you're here. It is important for us to have the right expectation, even if that expectation causes us to trauma, like Paul is experiencing here, that... Uh, you know, it, it's, it's not an easy thing. It's not a, a simple thing for, for him to go through what he's going through. But nonetheless, it is exactly what God has intended. Now, let me just, let me just skip to something here. We find that in the book of Jeremiah, again, he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, which are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I already know how this is going to come out. I know my thoughts towards you. And they are, they are thoughts, but I want to express them because I want you to have an expectation of how this is going to come out. Here's another translation, same thing. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's all the same kind of, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the meaning is very similar. But what's really interesting is this, word expected end here in the Hebrew is the word tikva. And that means literally a cord. It means a rope. So, you know, when a, a person falls down a cliff and the only way we can get to him is to send down the rope, it, that becomes a lifeline, right? And, and so I'm going to send you down the lifeline. That's my only hope, but I'll take it because that's the only way out. And that's the idea that God is extending to Israel here. That you're going to be in captivity. You're going to be a long way away. You're not going to get out. You're going to be there 70 years. You're not going to get out early. But I'll throw you a lifeline. And I'll get you out. When the time comes. Not before. But when the time is right. I'm going to throw you a line. And get you out. It's really interesting where we find that other, that other phrase. Now. Brother Branham says, it gives us consolation to know this. That we do not hold our destiny. God holds our destiny. Say it with me. God holds our destiny. 
God, if God holds our destiny, then he has to know where you are. Because in time, God's going to throw a lifeline. And he's not going to throw it blindly out into the, into Laodicea. He knows exactly where you are. And he's going to throw it out to Noah. And he's going to throw it out to each one of you. So that you'd have a way out of the world that we're in. may seem simple now, but I'm thankful that we have this. In Joshua chapter 2, Behold, we come into the land, and thou shalt bind this line of scarlet in the window where thou didst let us down by. The token becomes our lifeline, doesn't it? God says in the last day, I'm going to throw you out a token. I'm going to throw you out a line of scarlet. And when the time is right, I'm going to pull you right out of a world falling apart. I'm going to pull you right out of that situation. Because second paragraph, Brother Bram says in the Lamb's Book of Life, he says those he has called, he has justified. Same God, he's already made a place in glory for you. If God's made a place in glory for you, the only thing he's got to do is get you from where we are right now into that place in glory. Because he's already got that design, and he already has a way to get you out of here. Somebody say amen. Hey, God's got a place for you there. God's got a way to get you out of here. Hey, that ought to give us a little bit of rest, shouldn't it? should give us a little bit of relaxation. And he says, when this earthly tabernacle is dissolved. And so he asked the question that I'm asking, what are we worried about? He said, let's, let's, let, let him that's weak say, I am strong. Let's him that say, uh, I am, uh, that we are poor, that we are rich. That we have got solutions and we have got, uh, we have got answers to the problems that come on. But now we live in a world that's full of all kinds of, uh, all kinds of enemies, all kinds of things that go on, all kinds of distractions and everything else. All I'm doing is I'm trying to get you to be thinking about the higher thoughts of God that, that encourage us to think about what God would have us to be looking at and not what the world's influenced by. Now, let me remind you of something. I showed you this many years ago, but let me remind you of this, and I'm going to quit. So just hang on for a second here. You're not going to expect this. Brother Bannon, was, uh, he was not a, a newspaper reader much, but this is where he refers to Alleyoop, the, the comic book strip. And he says, about two or three months ago, I was standing in the room, and I heard a voice in the corner, and I tried to wake my wife up to look at it. And there was a hideous thing standing at the bed, and it was accusing me like the mamba snake did. And I screamed out, what can I do? And he said, you've been given power to bind him. Be of good courage. I spoke to him. And his tail went up in the air and whirled around, and he choked himself to death. Blue smoke flew out of him. And the next morning I woke up, and I said, I better get up and take the children to school. And I looked, and there was this hideous thing in the newspaper. He said, I looked, and there was this hideous thing, the thing that he saw come after him. It looked like it was alley-oop in the funny paper. Great big black horns sticking out of it. And he was going, sounded like a hen cackling. And I looked at it. This was alley-oop that he was looking at. It was a cartoon character back in that day. Alley-oop went on to become something a little more aggressive. This is one of the phrases out of that same clip. I think that God racket's a pretty foxy deal, and I can't see why it wouldn't work for me too. And she says, oh, but you're not God. And Brother Bram said when he looked and he saw that thing, he was shocked because he, he said, well, that was the thing that, that came after me. So somebody's inspired. <clears throat> I'm not saying that all humor like that is evil, but somebody's inspired to draw a character a certain way. And here, and you know what? We'd never know that. We'd never know that there was anything 
ill about this at all, unless a man who is so in contact with another dimension, another side of things, and he looks and he sees that. Wow, here it is reproduced here. You know what? He's, he's on the escalator again in J.C. Penney, right? And he's seeing this in different places. And he goes on to say, I said, meaty honey, and she didn't wake up. And I said, yeah, it would scare her to death if I told her that, if I showed her that. He said, people talk about devils. They don't know, they don't know what they are. You run headlong into them every day. And after a while, he was accusing me and said, you have no power with God. You're just a bluff. You have no power. And I said, Satan, you're an offense to me. Get out of my way in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he left. And I laid there a little bit in the bed, started to raise up. And I left a real, he said, when I, when I, when I did, I felt a real sweet spirit come over me, feeling come over me. And I felt, wonder if the Holy Spirit now is close. And over in the corner, the sweetest voice that I ever heard said, don't fear to go anywhere. Don't fear to do anything. The never-failing presence of Jesus Christ is with you wherever you go. Now, let's be honest. Alley-oop is child's play. To what these young people have access to, right? You, you don't need me to enunciate that. It's, it's way worse. It's way more realistic. It's way more scary, right? Because, you know, alley-oop doesn't scare anybody here. But you've got to wonder where the inspiration comes for all this stuff that's out there and the things that, are, that exist and the things that they, they call entertainment. And it's almost like if I call it entertainment, then it's okay for everybody to look at it. And it's just horrible, absolutely horrible. But let me tell you the other side of this because I don't want to leave you with that in your mouth. Let me tell you the other side of it. You remember on the last update that I send out, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who reads their update. I, I, I might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. I, t- I described a, a brother, Brother Volodya Ivanov, who lives in uh, Ukraine. And Brother Ivanov's a wonderful brother. I haven't seen him uh, since I went to Ukraine in September, I believe it was, and uh, I ran into him again after like 12 years. And he had traveled with us, and Brother Lonnie and Brother Jason and different ones, you know, we traveled. Wonderful brother, evangelist, uh, good family, and uh, just a solid brother over all of the years, you know. And uh, he, he wound up bringing his mother uh, to the hospital, and she had uh, COVID and, and wound up uh, dying. A couple of days later, she died. She was a believer and wound up uh, dying in the hospital. He didn't know it because immediately after he brought her, he, was, he became so sick that he, was, uh, he almost died at home. They took an ambulance and brought him to the hospital and uh, he, he was in the, in the hospital uh, two, almost two weeks. I didn't know about it. And then Brother uh, Sergey up in Ohio, he, he wrote me and said that uh, this, is this, this is the report that we've got on Brother Volodya, and he's in the hospital. I said, oh, wow. In the country of Ukraine, everything that the person gets as far as treatment, uh, they had to, the family has to pay for. So he was in a, a public ward with a bunch of other people, and getting whatever treatment they could give him, whatever they could afford. And if you couldn't afford it, you'd just die in the bed. There's no other, there's no other options. And so I sent over some funds on our behalf and just said, hey, provide for the family, provide for the medicines and treatment and so forth. We can do whatever we can. We'll, we'll do that and try to help where we could. I sent over a subsequent one uh, since then. But this morning on the way to church, I got a note. And I, it was from... Uh, Brother Veloja's wife. 
and uh, she had sent this report, and she wanted to thank us for the funds that were sent. And she said, let me tell you his story. Let me tell you what he told me. Uh, she said, I would go every day to visit him and be in the, in the ward. Now, they don't have the protective equipment over there or anything else, but she said he went, uh, she went every day. And she said, he told me afterwards that I was an encouragement to him. I actually helped build up his faith because he was so low and so close to, to dying in the, in the hospital. And he said, <clears throat> one day, he said, it just became really dark for me. And he said, I knew I was sliding and sliding into a place where I couldn't control anything and I couldn't come back. Could, I felt like I, I wouldn't be able to come back on my own. And he said, and when I, when I did that, he said, the other men around me in the, in the ward, he said, it was all men. And he said, I looked around and there was no nurses, there was no doctors. And he said, and all the other people who were in the room with me, they were all sound asleep. It was only me awake. And he said, when I, was, when I was in that position, he said, I was just laying there and just praying and just asking God to help me. He says, I have no, no one else to turn to. I have no, nothing else to do. And he said, I was just praying and just thinking of scriptures. And he said, it was just going over it in my mind. And he said, and when I did, when I did, he said, it was like a voice that spoke to him. He said, from just like near the bed. And he's not a fanatic kind of a guy, but he said, his voice said, you shall rise up. You're not meant to die here. And that's all it said. You shall rise up. You're not meant to die here. And he said, when that voice spoke, he said, that happened to me. He said, immediately, he said, from, the, from my head to my feet, he said, I felt like there was waves just gently washing over me and washing out the bad stuff. And he said, that's what it felt like, that all of the negative stuff and the bad stuff and the sickness, he said, was just being washed out and washed out. And he said, from that moment on, he said, the room started to get brighter, and I started to feel a little bit stronger. And he said, the doctor came to him in a day or two later and came in and said, well, listen, uh, you don't need to have this medicine anymore, and you don't need to have this treatment anymore, and you don't need to have that anymore. And he said, we're just going to work on you a little bit longer, and then eventually we're going to get out of the hospital, and uh, we're going to let you go home in just a couple of more days. But they said, you know, you're just making this astounding recovery here, and things are, are, are looking good. Things are finally looking good and turning around. And he wanted to send me that testimony this morning and, and just share with me how how great it was. And his wife took a picture of him, and he, he had his mask in his hand. He didn't have his mask on. And up to this point, he had always had, needed a mask in order to breathe. And he had his mask in his hand, and he took a, uh, his wife took a picture, and, and he was waving to us. And, and I, you know what? I, 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 just, I just want to say this, that sometimes we think, well, all of these stories of miracles, and, and I, think, I think that's a miracle. I think that's a that's a, something that God does. He couldn't do anything for himself. Nobody could do anything more for him than what was done. And he's just praying and, and thinking on God. And, and the Holy Spirit just comes by and visits him and says, just going to touch him and out of his mercy. There's still a work for him to do. And, and just, just sovereignly does. You have, to, you have to understand that these miracles that I read to you about here in, in church and the things that I, we tell what happened in Brother Branham's ministry, they're not just for Brother Branham's time. They're not just for Brother Branham's uh, congregation. They're not just for the people in Brother Branham's prayer lines. Those are there as an example to let you know that the same God that caused that is the same God that's able to move on Brother Volodya's behalf in a little hospital in, in Ukraine, in Mariupol in, in Ukraine, a little tiny place there, and uh, you know, in a ward with all kinds of people. And God reaches out to one man and says, you shall not die here. 
And all, I think all of the, you need to understand when you leave here that God is not unmindful. He's not disregarding what you're going through. He's not disregarding what you pray for. But all of these examples and the examples in, in scripture remind us that that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did back there and what he did, Brother Bram came along with his gift and his ministry and his insight and the discernment he had and told everything. He told it all. And I thank God he told it all because it was all recorded. And now we're able to hear it and we're able to put it on the board and we're able to share it with everybody else and all this new generation that's here. I think it's a wonderful thing. But it's a reminder that that God is not dead. Brother Branham's gone on, but that God is still alive. And other people of other ages have gone on, but that God is still alive. And there are devils that fought them and they fight us but that God is still alive and he's still real and he cares about what we go through and you should not distance yourself from that but our expectation is our hope should be Lord I'm coming to church I want to I hear from you I'm not here just because of obligation I'm not here just because my parents made me but I want to I hear from God himself I, I, I want to, Brother Barry has great stories, but I want to hear from you. I want to, I want to have something that develops into rapturing faith in my heart. I want to be where the saints are. I want to be in a community of people who care and a community of people who pray for one another and a community of people that are concerned about one another. That's where I want to be. And that's my, my expectation is that when God can find a group like that, there's nothing really that God can't do. We've seen God in times past snatch people here from the jaws of death and on the precipice of, 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 of calamity and disaster. We've seen God rescue people and pull people back. And we should be going out of here today saying, why couldn't that happen again? Why could not that happen among us if we have the same expectation, the same hope, and the same faith? To me, Christmas and the birth of Christ is a great example of how God did what he said he was going to do and the people missed it and they missed it in a great way. And God had to bring three wise men from India, uh, you know, to let everybody know that, hey, there's a king born on the earth. There was nobody in Israel, nobody in Jerusalem saying there's a king born on the earth. God had to bring people from a long way off to let them know actually what was happening. And they knew by revelation, they knew by understanding They looked in the same sky everybody else did, and they had a revelation what that constellation meant. You know what? We're looking in our, we're looking in our book of stars as well, and we've seen what God is doing in our time. We should be, we should be quick to say to everybody else, we know what God's doing on the earth. Christmas is a great reminder that a lot of people have lost the vision, they've lost the point, they've missed the whole significance of the thing. It's good for us to make sure that our expectation is not like how the world may have it shaped, but our expectation is scriptural. Because if our expectation is right, our hope's going to be right, and our hope's right, our faith's going to be right. I don't want to be going to the end of the road and believing the wrong thing. I want to be believing the right thing. I want to be sure of where I'm standing. I want to have confidence in what it is that I'm preaching. I want to have confidence in what I project to other people. I want to have confidence in what we print. I want to have confidence in what we distribute around the world. I want to have confidence in a, uh, and let me tell you, it's not because we're smarter than other people, but God's given us a revelation just like God gave Simeon a revelation of what was true and what was right. Let's stand to our feet. Because we are a group of people who have been gathered with that similar revelation. Hey, we should be expecting nothing less than God to do great things among us. Absolutely. Because God, I will tell you, 
God knew exactly what we need. He knew we needed a strong word. He knew we need a clear vision in the last day because of so many alley-oops that are out there. So many uh, different kinds of distractions that are out there. They're professional distractions. We thought, we thought Facebook and Instagram and all of it was pretty incident, you know, innocent and harmless and everything else. Uh, somebody gave me an article out of Wall Street Journal here where the uh, attorneys general of the United States, not, uh, almost all of them now, have joined together in this investigation by a coalition of states to examine uh, the criminality of the work that's gone on to addict young people to social media platforms. And this is ongoing now as we speak here. Because they realized there were decisions made uh, to captivate the minds of children. And what better way to build your business than to create an addiction? Right? So if everybody's addicted, you know what? The business model thrives. It grows. Everybody wants more, right? Because that's how addictions work. And all of this is going on here. And, you know, we get a, we get a little opportunity every now and then to lift the lid and to realize, whoa, that's off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And you just got to be careful, and you have to teach your children, because it's not being taught anywhere else, but you have to teach your children in your home and here in school, in Sunday school and, and in church. We have to teach our children that there are traps. There are traps everywhere. But that doesn't mean there isn't a path. It just means that you've got to know the one who's leading the way to make it through the right path around all of those traps that are out there. There are all kinds of hazards that are there. But I tell you what, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you may, you may think I'm an old fogey here because I, you know, uh, the things that I say about things like that. But, but here's Brother Branham looking at Alley-oop and he's horrified by that. He realized, well, this is a reflection of another dimension I don't want to have anything to do with. And if that's the case in the 1950s and 60s, go figure. Go figure. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the world we live in. It's the place we've come to. But God would never have left us here unless he had made a way. And that's the great thing. Yes, sir. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Before me, what shall we say? to these things. Grab a microphone there. What shall we say to these things? I'm not afraid
Let's sing it this morning. Do you want to know where I'm going? Where I'm going to? If anybody asks you where I'm Every word of worship with one of 
praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. God, Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer, yes, He is, yes, He is, God, oh, He's my healer and my With one accord, every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Oh, 
just to, uh, over the next 24 hours, just to remember that need about the, the trip. And uh, just, uh, as I said before, just, just trying to lock in on the will of God, what he would have uh, for me to do. And um, just want to be found right in that place. So if you don't mind, we'll we just pray that way over the next uh, day. And uh, we'll just rest in his, in his decision, his leadership. 
But let's sing this together now. And uh, whatever your need is this morning, just hold it right on your heart there as we sing this together. Give thanks with a grateful heart. prayer requests that have been given in today, Lord, and all these folks that are away from us hurting today, we commit them to your care. We commit them to the hands of a great physician, a great doctor who understands and cares about what we go through. Lord, you're a God who's able to touch these failing human bodies as temples of the living God and be able to bring healing and peace. And Lord, I also commit, Lord, the choice and the decision, Lord, about this trip and all that is to be done, I commit it to you. That's the very best and safest thing we can do is lay it at your feet and allow you, Lord Jesus, just to speak. And when you speak, Lord, there's always peace. We thank you, Lord, that you hear us when we pray. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to Incline your ear that, Lord, we're able to reach out to you and cast our cares upon you. And, Lord, as Brother Volodya wrote to us and, and said, Lord, how that, that voice just brought such peace in his heart. Lord, may those that are going today, not only myself, Lord, but all those that are making decisions and choices, may your presence, Lord, bring that same peace into each life and each situation. Father, I commit my ways to you. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done among us. And Lord, may you just continue to lead us and guide us. And may our, may our expectations be focused on the right thing. Lord, may our, may our hearts be just in tune with what is supposed to be happening in our day. We don't want to be like those people, Lord, that are 
determined that it's going to happen another way, even when truth confronts them. Lord, we want to be open. We want to have soft hearts that can be moved, Lord, when you reveal your word. I pray that you would shape our understanding, guide us in your will, and we'll give you thanks in Jesus' lovely name and for your glory. We pray and ask these things. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Shout to the Lord. Let's sing that this morning. and We're going to let you go. And uh, may God bless you. Good to have all of you here, all of our visitors here. May God bless you. And uh, great to have you with us today. And may the Lord bless you. We'll see you one Wednesday. Sing it as you go this morning. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your